coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, Ryan McDowell. Ryan, it's another priceless episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We're without Matt, who is... Uh, just lounging around right now on the beaches. What the heck is up with that? We we didn't even get an invite. Yeah, pretty pretty jealous of Matt right now, but uh, he's he's enjoying some time away. I mean, when you live in San Diego, sometimes you just have to get out of town. You know, who, who, <laughs> yeah, who wants to, to the be beach, there? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it so rough. Uh, it sounded like a little bit more of a romantic getaway than than maybe we would uh, we would get an invite for. Really? So we we will have Matt back a week from now. We're looking forward to that. But for now, Ryan and I, we were we were thinking, Ryan. We're supposed to start Matt's series, right? He came up with this great idea a few years ago, the rookie stash, cash, or future trash series. We were going to do that this week. We decided to push that off another week so Matt can be a part of the entire series. Instead, we're going to we're gonna focus this week on rookie startup values. We haven't really talked a lot about that. We've been focused in on rookie auction prices and rookie, uh, rookie drafts. Not necessarily those startup values. So we thought Ryan and I would have a discussion about those startup values and and just kind of take a take a secondary glance at how these rookies are being valued from a startup perspective using May startup ADP. Before we get to that, though, because uh, Matt was away, Ryan and I spent a little bit of time with the Fantasy Wildcard crew. They did a streamathon. Um, it was, I think, I think, Ryan, it was 16 hours straight that those guys were on the air just talking fantasy football. It was incredible. Crazy, crazy. Spending an hour with you and Matt every week is, is uh, enough for me. But uh, <laughs> but these guys, 16 hours together, bringing on a ton of guests, including uh, the two of us, for a really good cause. Yeah, really good cause. So Ryan and I spent a whole hour, as we said, they did four separate streams, four hours apiece, and I... Th- I think the three of those guys kind of jumped in and out and gave each other short breaks, but still they were doing like 12 or 13 hours of work, plus all the work uh, putting this whole thing together. As you mentioned, it was a great cause. They were raising money for Mind, which is a, a charity specializing in providing advice and support to empower anyone experiencing mental health issues. So if you guys didn't get enough of Ryan and I after this episode, you uh, if you want to listen to more of us, we, we, we chatted about Matthew Stafford, Cam Akers, Trey Lance. Uh, we pretty much covered the Rams and the 49ers, their 2021 season outlook with the Fantasy Wildcard crew. You can check them out on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard for all the links to all the streams that we did. As I said, we kicked off stream number four. And if you want to donate, they have links to that at Fantasy Wildcard on uh, on Twitter. Check them out. Uh, a great group of guys for a great cause. And, and Ryan and I had a lot of fun with that. So um, with that, let's get to what we wanted to talk about this week, Ryan, because the, as I said in the lead, we we haven't really talked a lot about these players, these rookies, this incoming class from a 
uh, startup perspective. So let's do that. We'll kind of roll through in order of how these guys go. And it started off with Najee Harris. He's the first rookie off the board, according to our startup ADP. First of all, Ryan, does he belong the number one rookie off the board? Because I think I can speak for the three of us. We, we seem to have a different guy on the top of the list. Yeah, we, we do. Uh, in fact, I rank, uh, I rank a few guys, a few rookies ahead of Najee Harris, but, um, I get it. I get it. Why he, why he's the first uh, rookie drafted in uh, in startups because we do see we see a kind of a chasm between uh, startup ADP or or even startup strategy versus rookie draft strategy where you're you're less focused on drafting a position or, or drafting for need. You're you're more likely taking the best player available in a rookie draft. So if Jamar Chase, if you feel that he's the best player or Kyle Pitts, you would see those two guys ahead of Najee Harris in, in rookie drafts. I have both of those players ahead of Harris. But in, in in a dynasty startup, you know, you're worried more about your lineup. You're chasing especially those running backs. So while I don't necessarily agree with Harris as the top rookie drafted uh, I at least understand it from a startup point of view. So Harris is buried with a with a bunch of other running backs in in the he he comes in at running back eleven. Uh, the two ahead of him, J.K. Dobbins at running back nine, Ezekiel Elliott at ten, and then after him come Derrick Henry and Antonio Gibson at twelve and thirteen, respectively. Even beyond that, Aaron Jones it gets into Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Joe Mixon. How do you feel about where Henry, or excuse me, where Najee Harris lands in this ADP among the rest of these running backs? Uh, I feel okay about that. Again, he's he's not even my RB one in the class. Uh, I, I prefer Travis Etienne over the long term. Etienne, uh, we we will get to him in a moment, but he's uh, just just a little bit further down the board uh, among the running backs. So. I feel okay. I mean, even pre-draft, we heard a lot of people say if if Harris lands with the Steelers, he'll be uh, a dynasty RB1 from from the beginning, and, and that's what we're seeing here with that RB11 spot. But as I look at these players, uh, Cam Akers is the running back seven right now, according to our, our ADP. And after that, from from eight, which is Nick Chubb, probably down to, I mean, I think we could go all the way down to 19 or 20. Uh, those those guys are Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs. That's that's really one big tier for me. So I think over the next few months we'll see a lot of fluctuation with the running backs in this range. We'll see Harris at, at running back eleven here this month, and uh, he he could climb a couple spots or he could fall five spots. Really, kind of either way. With with him being a rookie, it's more likely that he would he would continue to gain some value as as that rookie hype usually lasts all summer. But speaking specifically towards Harris, uh, we've talked a lot about him already. We like the landing spot in general, but we're worried about the offensive line. We're worried about the offense overall, maybe a declining Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, I would personally take, uh, I would definitely take Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones ahead of him. And uh, I I think it's an argument with some of the others, Joe Mixon uh, including. Yeah, I, I would think Gibson, Jones, and Joe Mixon were the three that I would consider uh, most likely in front of him. It was interesting when I was looking at these at the mocks that were done. I went through them, and Najee Harris went as late as number twenty-seven overall, and as early as number thirteen. So that that's a pretty wide range for a guy this yeah. high in the ADP. That speaks a little bit to where uh, where dynasty managers are really think, valuing him as a rookie, even with the hot landing spot and and maybe the ideal landing spot that we all hoped he he would get with that uh, draft capital as well. Let's move on to the next guy, Ryan. It's Jamar Chase who comes in at twenty one overall, and you know another guy. If, a blue chip prospect and a guy that we all really expect to make a big leap early in his career. The names surrounding Jamar Chase Ryan are some pretty big Ooh, ones. They are directly in front of him, Devonte Adams and Stefan Diggs. I want both of them more than I want Jamar Chase. And then right behind them, Kelvin Ridley and Deandre Hopkins. I got to be honest, man. I want both of them more than I want 
Jamar Chase as well. Chase is a great guy to chase in your rookie draft, I guess. Uh, but I, I just... I, I like the production of the guys surrounding him. It goes even deeper beyond Ridley and Hopkins after him. Uh, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, then Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper. Those are a lot of big names. And we're I know we're talking about a guy with top five rookie draft or, or top ru- five NFL draft collateral. But, man, he, he is... Buried in there among some of the best wide receivers, premier wide receivers in our fantasy game. Yeah, I I remember at, uh, once uh, Chase was drafted to Cincinnati, we we knew the landing spot, we knew the draft capital. I projected him and, and ranked him myself as a top twelve wide receiver, and and I thought I was being a, a little aggressive with that, honestly, ranking him ahead of. Uh, some of the names you mentioned, like McLaurin and Godwin, uh, Allen Robinson, players like that. But to see the the community even even higher on him than that, and, and push him all the way up to wide receiver eight, was a little bit of a surprise. And um, you know, rarely will I say that that a rookie wide receiver is being valued too highly. But I think that's maybe what we're seeing here, specifically with with the guy he's directly ahead of, one of your favorites. Calvin Ridley, I mean, more and more, uh, it's looking like Julio Jones will not be on that roster uh, come week one. And if that's the case, we might be looking at Calvin Ridley as the overall wide receiver one in 2021 as far as uh, fantasy production goes. And if that happens, uh, we saw Stefan Diggs with the, uh, the huge ascension with his career year last year. Uh, Calvin Ridley, just uh, j- just a few months younger than Diggs. We could see the same thing for Ridley moving up into that top five wide receiver range. So uh, to to see Ridley ahead of Chase, I'm sorry, to see Ridley behind Chase at this point is, is a little bit of a surprise for me. You mentioned Devontae Adams ahead of Chase, uh, but only only slightly. We did see this month Adams take a take a dip. He's down to wide receiver six, the lowest he's been uh, in in well over a year. And you know you have to think that's due to the Aaron Rodgers rumors. Yeah, that it's uh, first of all that's music to my ears. Somebody else talking about Ridley as a potential <laughs> number one wide receiver. I love the sound of that for sure. The the names on that list and surrounding him are like I said, some of the biggest in our game, and it's just shocking to see a rookie go that high. I, I've I've slowly come around to the you know the buying into the youth and buying into the youth. It took years for me to do. And I was with you thinking he should come in right around wide receiver 12. Maybe I think I had him at 13 in my personal rankings. And to see this at wide receiver eight among those names, that's shocking to me. I I think it's just a little bit too high, but time will tell indeed. Let's go back to the running back position. It's Travis Etienne, Ryan. He mixes in with those names that we just mentioned when talking about Najee Harris. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jill Mixon in front of him. And then following Etienne... Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders. This is a nice little range for ETN, in my opinion. Feels feels like maybe there's a little bit of value, even considering that Najee Harris is up there at 17 overall. Travis ETN is a couple rounds below at 31 overall. Yeah, I already mentioned that I I prefer ETN to Harris, so I, I totally agree. This feels like value. Uh, ETN at RB 17, uh, which again, just hearing that sounds like he's. He's going way too late, but then when you look at the names, you just realize the depth of that uh, second or, or third tier, I guess, however you look at it. Oh, it, it runs out quick, quick after that, though, right? right. Real, real fast at the end right. of this he, He's near the bottom, <laughs> and, and we, uh, we see a major drop. I mean, just, uh, just a few, few spots below him, we have guys like Chris Carson and, and Miles Gaskin. So we'll get to some of sure. those names soon, but... Um, yeah, I would I would be willing to to move ETN up um, a couple spots at least. I already talked about kind of moving Harris down, so those guys would meet uh, maybe in the middle of this tier for me. 
Yeah, the guys in between them, as I, as we mentioned, Derrick Henry, Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Joe Mixon. So there there seems to be a, a meeting point in there. I also, I've gone back and forth yeah. so many times, Harris, then ETN, then Harris, then ETN. I don't know which side I'm on <laughs> right now. So uh, we'll just digress into the tight end position because we all know where we are there when it comes to rookie tight ends. It's all about Kyle Pitts. And, and maybe, Ryan, when it comes to any tight end in the league, it might be all about Kyle Pitts because he is he is ascending he's he's flying up draft boards and now he's up at number 36 overall still puts him at tight end three so there's a couple guys ahead of him Travis Kelsey at tight end one and 26 overall then right behind Kelsey is George Kittle at 27 Pitts at 36 then Darren Waller at 40 and then all the way down to Hawkinson at 62 seems pretty par for the course it seems like that's where he should he should have gone considering where everybody expected Pitts to be. As we've been saying though, Ryan, the expectation is that Pitts is going to be the tight end one a year from now. And and maybe even sooner than that, if he has a good start to his career, if that's the case, how high is, is the ceiling for Pitts? Because Kelsey's at 26. We've seen him higher, of course, in, in DLF ADP. Where, where can Pitts ascend to? Well, I mean, there's there's already been talk about Pitts as a as a first round startup pick a year from now, and and some of those conversations that I've I've uh, seen or heard have not even been in related uh, in relation to tight end premium leagues. Uh, just just kind of the the basic league, which is what this ADP is based on: one quarterback, no tight end premium, and we're still seeing Kyle Pitts as a late third rounder. My problem here is is not so much with Pitts as the tight end three already, as you said. We we both have we both rank him as the tight end one in Dynasty, uh, even ahead of Kelsey and Kittle. My problem is just spending this early of a pick on the tight end position in a non tight end premium league. Um, I, I'm just not willing to use a, a, a second or third round pick on on a tight end right now. And and again, maybe maybe Pitts breaks that that mold like uh it looks like he uh he, he's going to break so many other rules he's he's already the highest drafted tight end ever um so he's he's on his way to, to really changing this game in in many ways but uh right now i don't think he's overvalued in in comparison to the other tight ends it's just higher than i want to use a pick uh on that position we mentioned in the lead that that we were on uh, on the fantasy wildcard streamathon, and those guys were talking about in, in a if you were in a startup and you started uh, started early on with 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 a big time name at the top of your draft and and came around to the turn and Kyle Pitts was was staring you in the face. It'd be it'd be hard not to take that guy considering his upside. That's the decision that these guys all had to make in these mocks. A lot of us are making in startup drafts everywhere with Pitts coming around on the corner. Uh, it seems like you, you could you can get, get talk yourself into it, maybe sure. Ryan. Oh, I got two picks, two out of four. The next two picks, whatever it might be, I could take pits and still get another good player. That that's going to be too enticing for too many of us. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's certainly a trendy player. I think he uh, and we we've, we've said this on the show uh, previously talking about pits. He ha- he's probably the hardest player to trade for right now in a dynasty league. The hardest player to acquire, and that doesn't mean he's the most valuable or he's, you know, he's worth more than Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. Even though we saw, we we saw that McCaffrey for Pitts trade rejected, uh, it, it just means once you get this guy on your roster, whether it's a startup draft or a rookie draft, you don't want to let go. You want to you want to hold and and see what happens next. Pitts went as high as 29 overall in our mock drafts and as low as 48. So there's a little bit of a difference there as well. Seems like most of them are right in the middle of the 30s, yeah. though, uh, which lines up with his ADP. He's, he's going to be a fun one to watch all offseason long, for sure. The next rookie we need to talk about here, 
Ryan falls right in line with those other running backs that we spoke about. It's Javante Williams at 42 overall. Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs right in front of him, right behind him. Then maybe a tear break because it's David Montgomery and Chris Carson. Some of those guys that we're talking about falling into that next tier. So when it comes to Williams, it feels like he's the value of the group if you look at him as the top of a tier. And he he feels like he mixes in with the bottom of the tier above Sanders and Jacobs, then Williams. He's, He's the line here if you're trying to tear out these running backs, in my opinion. Yeah, based on the ADP, it, it looks like the line might, may actually be one spot ahead. We see Miles Sanders, who is the RB19. Uh, he goes 34 overall. Uh, and then it, it, we see uh, half a round go by before Josh Jacobs is drafted 41 overall as the RB20. Uh, Javante Williams and Josh Jacobs have, have nearly the same ADP. They're 41 and 42 overall. Uh, so I, I think your point is a valid one in that Williams is, is essentially the top of this tier, maybe along with Josh Jacobs, who we're uh, fantasy players, dynasty players are growing more and more concerned with, it seems. Uh, he's, he's losing a ton of value. Uh, so to, to take a shot on, on the young guy, maybe a little bit of the unknown in Williams over uh, Montgomery, Carson, Kareem Hunt, Gaskin, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm good with this value for Javante Williams. Yeah, I'm real good with it. I think my main point there, Ryan, was if you're building a roster in your startup uh, and and you're thinking, oh, I need an RB2, we're starting two running backs, and Etienne and Eckler, Miles Sanders and Jacobs go off the board, you're praying that Javante Williams gets to you if you really want to build through that RB2 position because you're not feeling quite as good with Montgomery, Carson, Hunt or Gaskin as as that RB two on your roster. Yeah, and I and I talked about the 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 gap between Sanders and and those two Jacobs and Williams. Uh, it it's even a wider gap after David Montgomery. Montgomery comes in close behind Jacobs and Javante Williams, but after that we see a full round uh, of players selected before the next running back is drafted, that's Chris Carson. So we've we've got a round between the RB22, David Montgomery, and RB23, Chris Carson. So you're absolutely right. You're, you're hoping it's Javante Williams or maybe Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery because if it's not one of those guys, you're clearly uh, dropping down a tier. Clearly, for sure. I, I've been mentioning the difference between the high and the low of where these guys are falling, and clearly we're getting deeper in the draft. We're at forty, the 42nd guy in our ADP, so there's going to be bigger, bigger changes between the high and the low. 25, the earliest he was picked, he fell all the way to 60 in one draft. Dude, that That's a dream scenario for those of us that, that like to build around uh, the wide receiver position early and wait a little bit longer on the running back. Let's get into the wide receivers once again, Ryan, because Devonta Smith is the next guy we need to speak of. He comes off at 56 overall, right around him. A lot of other youth, I guess. Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster in front of him, and then behind him, his college teammate Jalen Waddle and DJ Chark. So Smith at 56, Waddle at 58. The group of Claypool and Schuster all the way up to like DJ Chark, and Robert Woods. Let's lump these guys in together, Ryan. How do you feel about these landing spots? Personally, I like Waddle over Smith, but they're not separated by much, according to DLF ADP. And when I start looking at these names, I'd, I'd rather take my shot on Jalen Waddle than than a couple of these wide receivers, for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I also prefer Waddle to Smith, and we are seeing Waddle being drafted ahead of Smith in our rookie draft ADP. So, uh, but again, they're close enough. They've basically been back-to-back in uh, nearly every ranking or, or, or set of ADP that you've seen. So to see them flip-flopped here is, is not a huge surprise. Uh, but I prefer Waddle. Um, looking, you know, it, it really feels like they're in the right spot because looking at the names below them, I, I would uh, prefer the rookies, Smith and Waddle, ahead of almost all of those players. You mentioned uh, Chark and Robert Woods. We could go even a little bit deeper. Julio Jones, LaVisca Chenault, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. Uh, but also looking ahead, almost all of the names, all the players drafted ahead of them, uh, I think are appropriately ranked and, and being drafted. I would take 
both of the Steelers, Claypool and, and Juju ahead of them. And uh, we, we see a couple of Denver Broncos, Sutton and Judy being drafted ahead of them as well. I agree with all that. Basically, I feel like they're they're right in their sweet spot. All right. I, I, I disagree slightly. I, I'd prefer Waddle over Juju, probably Waddle over Kenny Galladay, who's a couple spots ahead, and then maybe even over Cortland Sutton as well. I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too bullish on Sutton, and, and uh, but I think Judy's going to take over that number one spot in Denver. That's probably for another episode, though. Let's move on to the next running back on our list, Ryan, because – uh, there's been, there's been a big conversation. At least it is in my head, the, the, who's the fourth running back thing. It's Trey Sermon or Michael Carter. And I've gone back and forth a little bit. I, I lean towards Sermon, but he comes in at 68. Michael Carter's all the way down at 102. So we need to talk about Sermon here. The guys in front of him, Kareem Hunt and Miles Gaskin after him, James Robinson and Chase Edmonds. The list kind of goes on and on with a, with a big tier of, they have an opportunity to be fantasy successes for us guys that could be RB twos or, or flex plays for us. How do you feel about where Trey Sermon mixes in, in this tier? Yeah. So he's, he's RB 26. He's here in the, uh, I think that makes him a seventh rounder 68 overall. Maybe my math is bad there. Uh, six or seventh rounder. Um, I don't have a problem with his his rank among the running backs. You talked about being behind Kareem Hunt, uh, ahead of James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Mike Davis. I'd probably prefer Chase Edmonds to Sermon at this point, but that's that's nitpicking a little bit when you get this deep. Uh, my bigger concern or, or argument, I guess, is just where he's being drafted uh, overall. 68 overall, when you look at some of the wide receivers, some of the uh, other position players being drafted uh, behind him. I mean, LaVisca Chenault, a name we just mentioned with the right wide receiver discussion, uh, uh, behind him, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Thielen, Lockett, Dak Prescott. I mean, I can't imagine taking Trey Sermon over Dak Prescott in a startup draft. It, it just it, it seems crazy to me. So, uh, again, it's what we talked about earlier with the, the way your strategy has to change or, or does often change in a startup draft that you feel like you've got to get that second running back or that third running back before someone beats you to the punch. And, uh, and these, you know, these average talents uh, at running at the running back position get pushed up uh, way higher than they should. So, uh, I mean, I think Sermon is probably 15 to 20 spots too high in this ADP not necessarily among the running backs, but just overall. Yeah, I, w- I was going to bring up the same thing just in- instead of just the overall field of players. How about the field of rookies? Because Sermon comes in at, at rookie number eight on our list. And if you were in a rookie draft, you're not going to see Trey, at least I hope you're not seeing Trey Sermon at number eight overall. Guys that come in after him among the rookie class, Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore, Trevor Lawrence, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, and then Michael Carter and Kadarius Toney, and the list kind of goes on and on from there. There's at least a few rookies I prefer over Sermon, and because of that positional uh, fear, I guess it is, that that need to build around that running back position, people, people move these guys up. I think it's way too early for Trey Sermon. Completely agree with you. He should be a couple rounds later. Let's talk about those rookie wide receivers that people passed on for Trey Sermon. That's Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore. These guys are real close in ADP. Bateman at 76, Rondale Moore at 79. Guys right around them, Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett right in front of Rashad Bateman, then Odell Beckham Jr., then Rondale Moore, then Michael Pittman, and then another rookie, Terrace Marshall. So I guess you could you could mix all these guys in together, Ryan. When it comes to these wide receivers, those guys that you typically see at the end of round one in your rookie draft, how do you feel about how they're mixing in with these veterans like Thielen, Lockett, and Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, I think we could throw Elijah Moore in there as well. He's wide receiver 43, 87 overall. So you've got, you've got the four rookie wide receivers, Bateman, Marshall, both Moores, uh, all in a span of six or seven wide receiver spots. Uh, 
Um, overall, I, I think they're they're being valued correctly. I mean, Odell Beckham seeing his name down at wide receiver thirty eight is still a little bit of a shock to the system. Uh, I would probably prefer him uh, to some of these names, and I would be moving him up a little bit. But uh, the rest, I think they're they're being valued uh, appropriately. Michael Pittman, um, Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, those are the names being drafted around these rookies. And, and overall, I, I think that's, uh, that's correct. You know, Bateman as the top guy, I, I think is maybe a little surprising. Of course he was the, uh, I believe he was the first one drafted of this group. Yeah, he was, um, drafted in the NFL. And, uh, there's, there's the obvious concern about the Baltimore passing game and, and really just how much opportunity Bateman is going to have. So, uh, seeing him come, right behind Tyler Lockett, the exact same ADP as, as Beckham. Uh, he feels a little high. So maybe maybe flip-flop those guys or, or move Bateman down a little bit. But overall, it's it's really just uh, another sign of the, the depth of the wide receiver position that we've talked about so much. Yeah, you mentioned the shock to your system seeing OBJ down there at wide receiver 38. He's, he's really a wide receiver four at this point. It seems like there's so much value in this group. Adam Thielen, one of those guys that you're thinking, let's squeeze a year or two of that big-time production in that Minnesota offense. That seems like a value right around there. And then there's the group of younger receivers that aren't rookies. So, so maybe the shine has wore off just a little bit on these guys. Fellas like... Uh, like Michael Pittman, who you mentioned there. Also, uh, if you dig a little bit further down, you get into like Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs. We're not going to talk about any more wide receivers here for about 20 picks, a couple of rounds, Ryan. When it comes to these second-year receivers that you know really didn't put up big numbers as rookies but but still have a lot of upside, how do you feel about these guys? Because they're, they're really interesting guys on my rosters. I, I see Ruggs' name, and I think, man, it, it's fine. I, I like having him as my wide receiver six, but when I drafted him, I wanted him to become that high upside wide receiver three. Same could probably be said about these, these other guys as well, in Pittman and Jalen Rager especially. Yeah, Rager is really the one that stands out to me. Um, he, I mean, we know how much of a mess that that Eagles offense was a year ago, uh, with with Carson Wentz's struggles and and just the uh, players being in and in in and out of the lineup and Rager included. He missed some time, and and I'm just surprised how quickly dynasty players have have seemingly given up on him. I I think he's a, a screaming buy in dynasty. Uh, Pittman and Ruggs feel more appropriately valued. I, I still have higher expectations for Rager than either of those two guys. Yeah, Rager, I I bought him for a mid second. I was in that 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 range, like the, the the fourth pick in the second round, where you're kind of picking between those uh, those second and third round wide receivers, and and Trey Sermon was mixed in there. The quarterbacks were in there, and I sent out that offer and and got a bite on it. So. Uh, I was happy to get Rager right in there. It speaks to what you just said that there are people out there that are giving up and and they're looking at a guy like Kadarius Tony and thinking, "Holy cow, I can get the, you know, buy back in on this rookie class." Uh, I I like the idea of buying Rager for sure. Let's get into the quarterback position a little bit, Ryan, because we haven't talked about him just yet, but this is a stack class. Trevor Lawrence comes off the board at 81 overall. That's quarterback 7. Seems seems like he's moving on up, buddy. That's uh, that's maybe a little higher. He, he's above guys like Joe Burrow and Russell Wilson. Then it comes Jalen Hurts, but right behind Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott, I think a, a very strong case could be made, Ryan, for for Burrow and Wilson to both be put ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I I, I don't know where you stand on this. I I like the. The already have seen, we, we've already seen so much from Wilson and such a good showing from Burrow until he was hurt. Where do you fall on where Trevor Lawrence should be? Uh, in my rankings, Lawrence is my quarterback seven, just like this ADP, uh, okay. directly ahead of Burrow and Wilson. So, so yeah, I, I'm in line with the, uh, the community here based on the mock draft ADP, uh, but agree it's, it's certainly close and you're, you're right. A case can be made. Uh, for for Burrow and for Wilson to still be ahead of of Lawrence, 
honestly, after that, I, I don't think there's much of a case for anyone else. Uh, so it feels like Trevor Lawrence as quarterback nine is, is actually kind of the floor from a value standpoint right now. Yeah, it certainly is. And that's where I have him. And, you know, when I, I had a little bit of sticker shock when I saw Lawrence coming in at seven, when I looked at the ADP the first time, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've, I've, I've really come around on it that, well, he was a number one pick overall. And so was Joe Burrow and Russell Wilson has fallen off late in back-to-back seasons that it's really interesting. Lawrence and Burrow are, are stacked right on top of each other. Uh, Trevor Lawrence with an ADP of 80.67, Joe Burrow 82.5. And then there's about a round that goes by before you see Russell Wilson. So the the dynasty community has spoken really, Ryan, that that Wilson, we're, we're not putting up with this uh, hot start and then falling off late in seasons. He's pushed all the way down to number nine. Yeah, it's, it's been frustrating. Uh, I, I know I've got Wilson on a couple of my teams, and uh, in, in both of the past two years, it, it has really gotten to a point where uh, he was not even an automatic fantasy starter, uh, you know, in the, in the back half of the season. And uh, we saw it impact Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf this past year as well. Uh, as of week eight, I believe this is correct, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were the top two fantasy wide receivers after eight weeks. Uh, and they both plummeted from week nine on, and, and Russell Wilson did as well. So uh, it, that factored in with his, his age. Not not that he's old at 32, but he's, he's quite a bit older than the rest of the players in this tier. Uh, and and that, does, that does make a difference. I talk about buying back years all the time. If you expect Russell Wilson and, and Joe Burrow to put up similar numbers this year, then obviously you should take the player that's that's eight years younger. And, and same thing with Trevor Lawrence. It's prob- probably a, a bit lofty to expect Russell Wilson production, but uh, three more years younger. So we're, we're talking about uh, we're talking about ten or eleven years younger than than Russell Wilson. I think it's fair to prefer Lawrence there. Yeah, it's certainly fair. And, you know, when when we get beyond that and we'll get to some of those names, it really gets interesting. There's a lot of fun to be had when you start balancing the upside of some of these rookies with some of the veterans that we're about to talk about. Before we get to those quarterbacks, though, we should get to Michael Carter. I mentioned him earlier, Ryan. He comes in at 102. So, man, like... 35 picks below Trey Sermon. They're they're similar players, similar similar circumstances, really. But he comes in at 102. Right ahead of him, AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. Then behind him, guys like Ronald Jones and Damian Harris, Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, Zach Moss, and the list kind of goes on and on. I don't mind where Michael Carter landed, but looking at the group in front of him, Ryan, after Trey Sermon. We saw James Robinson, then Chase Edmonds, Mike Davis, Leonard Fournette, A.J. Dillon, and Tony Pollard. So are there are there a couple names in that group where you could see Michael Carter jumping in front of in the coming months? It, it really feels like, especially if there's just a little bit of news on Carter getting the bulk of the work in the offseason program, that he could be a mover this offseason. Uh, he could certainly move up and um, – Comparing the two, Carter and Sermon, I actually feel like Carter's being appropriately valued here at RB33, 102 overall, and Sermon should be the one falling down, as we we kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, He could certainly move ahead of Mike Davis. I mean, uh, Davis is is a nice story and looks like he's in line for some some work right now with the Falcons, but uh, if they somehow bring in another relevant back, Mike Davis is 28 years old, so uh, Carter could easily move ahead of him if uh, if the chips fall right. Uh, looking at the other names, though, I mean Tony Pollard, uh, AJ Dillon, those are those a couple of those high end, high upside backups that that we always like to roster in Dynasty. And I mean Carter is still playing for a bad team. He's got some competition. I don't think he's you know he's not going to be handed the the starting job, uh, especially at, um, at you know with his size. He didn't he didn't even handle the full time work in college. So even though we're talking about Tevin Coleman and and Lamichael P Ryan as as his competition, uh, I don't I'm not sure he he stands above that group. Yeah, I'm, we're all going to have our ear to the ground on that situation. I I just see him a. As, as one of the guys that have a little bit of potential sure. to, to move up in the coming months. 
the next guy on the list is Kadarius Toney. He's just a handful of spots behind Carter at 108. The wide receivers in front of him, Ryan, Jarvis Landry and Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Then then right after Tony, Robert, Robbie Anderson and Denzel Mims. Thoughts here? Wide receiver 53, again, feels like a, like a steal for Tony, who was a first-rounder. Uh, it's kind of interesting he's being drafted right behind Marquise Brown, uh, another undersized wide receiver who uh, the, the dynasty community was, was definitely split on. Um, so this, this overall, this feels about right. Uh, but like really like any of these young wide receivers in this range, uh, Tony could, could blow up and jump 20 or 30 spots pretty quickly. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, honestly. You mentioned Hollywood Brown and, and how they're back-to-back in this ADP. It's Henry Ruggs is just a few spots in front of that as well. So we just keep stacking these first-round wide receivers. I think I mentioned Denzel Mims as well. This is a big group. And when you mentioned that right away, Ryan, Kadarius Tony, wide receiver 53. Oh, boy, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, you're buying him as a wide receiver 5. But when you consider all the names in front of him, it's like, yep, I guess that's where he falls in. And, and uh, just another little side note. I mean, Marquise Brown at 52 overall, wide receiver 52. Oh, my goodness. Uh, 106 overall. And I know he's been a guy that uh, you've been a fan of over the years and, and has disappointed. But uh, he ended the season on, on a little bit of a hot streak for the Ravens. Uh, Adam Harstead pointed out recently that, uh, he's he's got a nice streak of I believe it was six straight games with at least twelve fantasy points, which uh, it, it's not that huge breakout that we are hoping to see from from our wide receivers, but uh, it, it certainly is relevant. And to see him drop to this range, it was uh, another you know another little surprise. So maybe there's a, a buying opportunity for Hollywood Brown. Well, there's no buying for me, as you know. I bought him <laughs> everywhere I could last year, so hopefully it's that that post hype sleeper status for him. Uh, but you know, really, I'm looking at the ADP right now, and there's about ten guys in this group, and it really it wouldn't be a shock if any of these guys jumped into the wide receiver three range and were suddenly the wide receiver thirty overall or something like that. There's there's a lot of potential in this group, as you always mention, Ryan. There. It's such a deep group of wide receivers, and there's so much talent that you can build this position up. And if you hit on one of these guys late, and they they really blossom into something great, you're you're gonna you're gonna profit big time with wideouts because there's so much youth and so much talent for sure. Let's get back to the quarterback position. We got a couple fun ones to talk about. Trey Lance comes in at 110 overall. Then Justin Fields at 120. The guys around them, we mentioned Wilson, then Jalen Hurts in front of Trey Lance. Then Deshaun Watson is sandwiched between the two rookies, then Justin Fields, Tua Tungavaloa, and Aaron Rodgers. So this is a fun tier. This this pretty much makes up the tier, right, Ryan? Maybe Wilson's in the one above, but once you get to Hurts and Lance, Watson, Fields, Tua, and Aaron Rodgers, that, that's a pretty big group. Of guys, there's there's some things to like about the youth. There's a lot of things to like about the veterans in the group, Watson and Aaron Rodgers. What are your thoughts here? They they seem like they line up pretty well. It's it's about three rounds of ADP separating these five wide receiver or excuse me quarterbacks. How do you feel about the order? Uh, I like seeing Trey Lance in that QB one range already. Quarterback eleven. I would actually uh, move him up at least one spot. I, I, I don't think it's much of a conversation for me, honestly, Lance versus Jalen Hurts. I easily want Trey Lance there. So he's at least moving up to quarterback 10. And you wanted to have the the Russ Wilson and Trevor Lawrence conversation. I think it's more of a Trey Lance, Russell Wilson conversation. And okay. if we're talking, uh, especially if we're talking super flex, I could see myself investing in uh, Trey Lance uh even above Russell Wilson, maybe at that quarterback nine spot overall. And and Justin Fields would, would not be far behind. I would also prefer Fields to Hurts. Um, and, you know, Deshaun Watson there at quarterback 12 is just kind of hands off right now. I mean, I like the I, I yeah. probably like the idea of buying low. Uh, I think his trade value is even uh, much lower than this ADP would suggest. Uh, but it's it's – Obviously, just kind of a wait and see situation with with how that all plays out. 
Uh, so I would take I would take Fields and Lance ahead of him and ahead of Jalen Hurts right now. You mentioned Lance versus Wilson. You you manage these uh, mock drafts, Ryan, and you put six of them together this this month. He did go ahead of Russell Wilson in one of them. So maybe was that you? It did might you have been that? me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Trey Lance fan as well. I currently have Wilson one spot above Lance, but I agree with you. Lance should be one one in front of Hertz. I think Justin Fields is pretty properly man or, or valued right now uh, between Watson and Tua Tungavaloa. It's it's a it's a fun group because depending on where your roster is, particularly in the super flex leagues where where really you could see some of this youth, some of these young guys valued way higher than some of these older guys. You you could see Justin Fields going right around Russell Wilson as well in these super flex leagues because you're buying that upside and the potential to get that top end quarterback one. Uh, I. Yeah, I had talked about uh, pre-draft saying that this quarterback class really had a chance to uh, to change the quarterback position, and I think we're already seeing that because uh, if you go back to late 2020 ADP, we were seeing uh, certainly Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback one. Um, Matthew Stafford, after his trade to the Rams, was in that quarterback one territory. Ryan Tannehill was there as well coming off – a, a career season and now we see those guys falling uh rogers down at 15 stafford 16 ryan Tannehill way down at quarterback 19 now after losing some weapons and we see the rookies as we've talked about lawrence at seven uh lance at 11 fields at 13 and then jalen hurts who i think also got the boost from the draft as there was uh you know some speculation there that maybe the eagles would be in the quarterback uh, in the quarterback market, and ultimately they were not, and and instead they add a weapon. He gained some value from the draft as well. So we're really seeing specifically the rookies, but but the young quarterbacks overall um, change change the landscape of the quarterback position. And that goes back to that super flex talk. You know, we we've, we've said there's eight and nine and ten quarterbacks going in the first round of super flex startup drafts, and this is why these young quarterbacks are being valued so highly. Yeah, and, and properly, yeah. really, we, we don't have any problem with these guys going as high as they are. They really should be. They're the future of the position. And you're looking now seeing these guys playing into their 40s and things like that. You're you're looking at p- the potential of 20 years of an elite starting quarterback. Holy cow, dynasty leagues don't last that long <laughs> a lot of times. Well, I, I'm, I said something about this on Twitter. Scott Connor, our, our DLF buddy, had, had mentioned this to me soon after the NFL draft. Uh, that Trey Lance should be a first-round pick in Superflex uh, startups. And, and at first, it was kind of like we said earlier, a little bit of a sticker shock. Uh, and the more I think about it, I think so. If you're talking about nine, ten quarterbacks as first-rounders, I think he belongs among that group. And and uh, it's kind of exciting to think about having the the 112 in a Superflex startup and grabbing Lance and Fields at that corner and, and, and being set for the next several years at least yeah you're probably doing the productive struggle type type path okay with, that. with with that start to your uh start to your draft but yeah i'd be okay with it as well let's jump back into the wide receiver position we're gonna we're gonna ball a couple of these up together um right around the starting at wide receiver 57 it's darnell moody and mike williams then rookie amon Ra st brown of the lions followed by paris campbell at wide receiver 60 and then Devonte parker then we get diami brown at wide receiver 62 miko hardman and marvin jones so that that gives you a little bit of a tier right between 117 overall all the way down to 138 overall yes there's a couple of rounds there but these are guys going typically in the mid to late part of your rookie draft uh the second round of your rookie draft i'm on ross st brown and diami brown guys we when you're looking at it ryan you see them, well, they're they're falling in this wide receiver six range. That doesn't sound so bad for the upside that they present. No, it doesn't. I mean, we we definitely hit a, a major teardrop, though. I mean, we were, we were just talking about right. Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Kadarius Toney, a first-round NFL draft pick, and now we're talking about fourth-rounders from the NFL draft. So uh, we, we've definitely hit the wall. Uh, 
the, the conversation throughout the show has been about the depth of the receiver position as well. Just going back a few picks, Tony's wide receiver 53 and uh, Robbie Anderson, a productive vet at 54, Gabriel Davis, Darnell Mooney, a couple guys we like at 56 and 57, but that depth runs out really quickly right about here when we say the name Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, that's the, <laughs> so I, I think we're about 58 wide receivers deep. If, if you want to talk about how deep the position is, it's it's 58 deep, and then we get to St. Brown. And then we get to St. Brown, and then you Diami Brown, and, and there's some veterans in here too. Devontae Parker, I don't know a lot of guys that are super excited about having him on their roster, at least – uh, as a consideration for their starting lineup, and, and the list goes on, on and on from there. It is a, you know, I mentioned we're, we're talking about wider in the wide receiver sixty-two, Diami Brown. Man, there's just so many names. When you're buying that guy with the eighth pick in the second round, and a guy like uh, a guy like Kadarius Tony with the fifth or sixth pick in the second round, there's a massive difference to to what you said. Uh, next on the list, couple of running backs. Let's let's lump these guys in together. Ryan Chuba Hubbard at one thirty-seven and Kenny Gainwell at one forty. Guys right around them: David Johnson and Devin Singletary in front of Hubbard and Gainwell, and then followed up by Kenyon Drake and Alexander Madison. How do we feel about these rookies who are buried on some depth charts, but? really surrounded by guys that, that either have limited roles or are, are buried on depth charts themselves. Yeah. I mean, a little bit higher. I, I almost feel like these names got, uh, got reversed somehow. I still like Alexander Madison. He's on the bottom of this group. We just talked about Kenyon Drake. Uh, if, I'm not exactly sure what to expect of him with the Raiders, but based on, based on that contract and, and, his production over the past couple of years. I'm, I'm still a little bit interested. I would take both of those guys over these rookies. I would take both of these guys over David Johnson and, and Devin Singletary. So um, like I said, a little bit of a, a reversal there and um, maybe some, some slight value. But again, when you get this deep in, in a startup, you're, you're nitpicking somewhat. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of the nature of it that we, we see some upside in, in, in the unknown with Hubbard, with Gainwell. Very little chance that either of those guys ever become the starters over uh, over their current competition, uh, McCaffrey and and Miles Sanders. But uh, we're we're talking about backups, as I said, Madison and and uh, James Connors in this range, Naheem Hines. So this this is just the backup tier. It probably means that that's about where Hubbard and, and Gainwell should be drafted. Yeah, I think I want all those guys with the exception of Devin Singletary over the rookies. I had a little bit of love for Chuba Hubbard. I thought if he landed in the right spot, there might be the opportunity. Um, I like a few parts of his game. Thought thought maybe he could mix in well, but nobody mixes in down there in Carolina. That's uh, that's his job, only his job, and, and he's, it's going to take an injury for Hubbard to really get on the field. Let's jump back into the tight end position, Ryan, because uh, after Pitts, there's a there's a big difference <laughs> between tight end one and tight end two in this rookie class. But there are things to like about Pat Fryermuth, who comes in at tight end 17, 148 overall, mixes in as that middle of tight end two, then in that that tier, that that range of players, right around. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry in front of him, then Anthony Ferkser and Tyler Higby behind. How do we feel about Fryermuth and where he falls in May ADP, according to DLF? I think he's being a little overvalued here uh, at this point. Yeah, Higby, Troutman, uh, a couple guys below him. Uh, Anthony Ferkser also being way overvalued. Looks like... uh, yeah, what's up yeah, with that? I, there was that that name sticks out like a sore thumb. I think we had right a there. rogue drafter who maybe maybe Anthony Ferkser <laughs> was in our mock draft. I'm not sure, uh, but he ended up uh, he ended up going really early in one draft. We we see that happen from time to time. He went undrafted in one of them. He goes in the in the sixth round of one of them. So uh, that's uh, fun to see. But what happened? Then? Yeah. So anyway, back to Fryermuth uh, to. Put him in the in the company of Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. I know there's some fear that those guys maybe cancel each other out, but uh, it, it feels like Fryermuth is three or four spots too high among this tight end group. 
Yeah, you mentioned Higby and Troutman. Even beyond that, there's there's still some hope for Blake Jarwin. Uh, Austin Hooper has a little bit of upside still. Gerald Everett went to Seattle. The he he feels like more of those guys. He should be with those few names rather than than guys like Henry and Smith. Uh, it it's just a little bit of too too much. Uh, drinking that rookie Kool-Aid when it comes to Fryermuth. I, I really like him, think he has a lot of upside, but he's likely going to be one of those guys that sits behind a veteran for at least a year before he really gets his opportunity in 2022. Yeah, and, and you know, based on that, Eric Ebron, tight end 30, he lost quite a bit of value, uh, presumably right. as a result of the Fryermuth pick. Uh, so he's he's far down the list behind a guy we won't even get to today, Brevin Jordan. Uh, you know, really really nice value on Ebron right now. Yeah, that that's weird. The Brevin Jordan is probably a little bit too high too. <laughs> uh, but you're right, we won't get to him. Uh, let's get on to Amari Rogers, one of our favorites in the third round of rookie drafts. He comes in at 149 overall in May ADP. Guys around him, wide receivers at least, Marvin Jones and Brian Edwards in front. Christian Kirk and Dwayne Eskridge, another rookie wide receiver behind. Other guys right in that tier, Antonio Brown and Nelson Aguilar. So so putting these two rookies together, Rodgers and Eskridge, you could probably throw Nico Collins in here as well. He comes in at 159. Rodgers sticks out as a value to me, Ron. He does to me as well. And and we talked about Diami Brown already. He was wide receiver 62. Here we see Rodgers at wide receiver 66. I prefer Rodgers to Brown, so uh, that that's pretty easy. I, I also prefer Rodgers to Amon Ross St. Brown, who was wide receiver 59. So I could see moving Amari uh, Rodgers up here, um, you know, a couple rounds potentially. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. With, with Rodgers at 149, we were talking about – uh, Gabriel Davis and Darnell Mooney at the end of a tier, they were all the way up at 116 and 117. So we're talking about two, two and a half rounds worth of value maybe there with Amari Rodgers. Of course, a lot of that is pending uh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers remaining in Green Bay. Uh, as far as Eskridge and maybe Nico Collins, we might even throw Tylen Wallace into this as well, who's at 164. These guys mix in everybody from Christian Kirk and Nelson Aguilar down to, like, Traquan Smith. It seems, T.Y. Hilton, seems about right if you're if you're just gunning for a little bit of upside with these wideouts. Yeah, I, I don't mind these picks here. Uh, I mean, Christian Kirk, I still... Um, Still have a little bit of hope for. Surprised to see him this far down on the list and would say the same about a, a couple of the veterans you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton specifically. Uh, so, you know, we, we said it with, with Odell Beckham. At, I believe he was wide receiver 38. When you see T.Y. Hilton wide receiver 74, uh, it, it's it's a bit of a surprise. So, yeah, the, the rookies are fine here, but I, I would probably go with the vets if I was making this choice in a startup. Yeah, even if you are, are looking for upside, sometimes this late in in the situation or, or in your in your startup, your the the upside of one year of some of these veterans outweighs what you see with Eskridge and and Nico Collins. We'll see how it plays out, but I agree with you that that some of these veterans are a little bit more. Uh, my speed when I'm building my rosters. We got to talk about a couple more quarterbacks before we get out of here, Ryan. Zach Wilson, uh, he comes in at quarterback 20, 151 overall behind Matt Ryan, who's about a round before him, and Ryan Tannehill that comes off the board right in front of him. Then Carson Wentz uh, about a round behind him, and then Mac Jones about a round behind that. So there's a big tier uh, or a big group, I guess, of quarterbacks right here. Ryan and Tannehill and Wilson. Uh, Then it stretches down to Wentz, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, and then beyond that, Tom Brady. At the end of the quarterback twos, Ryan, when when it comes to how you're building rosters, of course it depends on when you invested in that quarterback one. Uh, who's left maybe in your super flex league. But when it comes down here and, and you're looking at Wilson and you're looking at Mac Jones and, and the other names like Wentz and Daniel Jones are on the board, how are you leaning? Uh, I'm leaning Carson Wentz. I'm surprised to see Wentz uh, sure. below <laughs> Zach Wilson, uh, especially by nearly a, a full round. So I would flip-flop those two at the very least. 
Uh, in general, though, I'm, I'm, after that, I, I don't have much argument to see those two rookies uh, ahead of ahead of Daniel Jones. I, I really think the interesting name is is Tom Brady. You know, he's been discounted and, and devalued for so long because of his age. But at this point, we know what we're getting. We're probably getting a, a borderline QB one uh, for 2021, and 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 that might be it, right? So, um, is that going to be more valuable than what we get from Zach Wilson in his career or from Mac Jones in his career? Right now, dynasty players are telling us it's not because we're seeing uh, we see Brady at, at 24, quarterback 24, behind the two rookies and behind Daniel Jones as well. Uh, but I think that's that's a that's a discussion at least at that point. And like you said, it probably probably uh, needs to be factored in who your quarterback one is. If you took Fields or Lance, then maybe Brady is is the right pick there. Uh, but if you grabbed one of those veterans early then you pivot to the rookie. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun tier. You mentioned Wentz as the guy that sticks out. He certainly does for me. Seems like he should be in the Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, not the not the Zach Wilson, Matt yeah. Jones tier. Yeah. Uh it something something doesn't doesn't uh, look like the others in that group of players for sure. Uh, Ryan, we got through an episode without our guy Matt. He's uh, he's gonna come back sunburned <laughs> and relaxed, to real chill, as if Matt isn't always <laughs> real chill. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, always glad to have Matt back, uh, and and hope he had a, a good week over on the over on the yeah, Big Island. Yeah, he'll be listen. He'll probably listen to this on the way back, the flight back, and be rolling his eyes as as we know that of Matt course. does. So. Uh, for, for Matt, who's, who's flying back to the, to the lower 48 and Ryan, who's sitting across from me here. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again.